Good day, all. Welcome to another season of Learning Bible Truth Ministries. I am the founder, host, and teacher, your one and only Dr. Kamla D. Here to teach you Bible truth, to help you grow in faith and learn how to walk in God's amazing grace by teaching Bible truth, not my truth, Bible truth. Here we read scriptures that contain God's word. Remember to pray and ask God for understanding. Put your learning hats on, get your Bibles, invite family and friends, take notes, and let's learn Bible truth. Good day, saints. Happy Tuesday. Today is actually the last day of February. It is February the 28th of the year 2023. I am the host, founder, and teacher of Learning Bible Truth Ministries, Dr. Kamala D. Oh yeah, you're one and only. People want me to say that. You're one and only, Dr. Kamala D. I hope this day finds you and your family well. This is episode three. Like I promised, I would share today and we will close out this series on Saturday. It is entitled Confronting Your Sin and the Proper Way to Repent. Now, although it's about confronting your sin, it's also um, informing you how to identify your sin. And it's also letting you know who in the congregation or your fellowship is not born again. According to this Bible, they're not. And let me, let me say this. We wouldn't know anything about God if it wasn't for the Holy Bible. We wouldn't know anything about Jesus, God's Savior, His only begotten Son, if it wasn't for this Bible. So let's not use the Bible as a buffet and go through it and pick out what we want to accept because it makes us feel good about sinning. But there's nothing related to Christ that will make you feel good about sinning. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Saints, I've been praying and asking God to give me the strength to go through this series because I told you guys in episode um, two that this is how a lot of congregations, a lot of fellowships, a lot of denominations lose members when you start talking about their sin. Let me tell you something. Sin is like a drug. It is an addiction that some people don't want to let go and they will curse God to hold on to their sin. And I thank God none of you are those people. You are not included in that number. And today we will continue reading scripture to support who is not born again. But the reason for that is not to reveal who's not born again. It's so that you can understand that you are not born again because of. God did not leave us hanging. There is a way to test what is real silver and what is real gold. And if it's not real silver, it ain't silver. If it's not gold or diamond or if it's glass, it ain't real. So, saints, those who practice lawlessness and iniquity, they are the same. They both are sin. What differentiates them from sin is that we have people that practice it. So, if you practice sin, which is lawlessness, you're not born again. You're not saved. 
So the, pur the purpose of me doing this series is so that you can understand, wait a minute, I want to get right with God because believe me, we are living in the end times. And I know some of you are probably saying, yeah, they've been saying that for years. Uh-huh. And we are getting closer and closer to the end. And my God, don't let God catch you in your sins without being under the blood of Jesus. Because you cannot come back here to get it right. You only have this life to get it right, saints. If God comes back tomorrow, which is not promised to you, so he can come back tonight, and you are living in the midst of your sins, that's it. You can't come back to get it right. And I have a love for you because God has a love for you. And I am one of his ministers. My job is to tell you the truth. And sometimes the truth is ugly. And sometimes the truth doesn't feel good. And I can remember me 30 years ago hearing this and I was getting angry. I was turning against Christ and turning against the church and turning against the people who was sharing with me his word. But now I understand. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When God called me into the ministry to teach as a teacher, I am one of the five-fold ministries. I am a teacher, a bona fide, certified teacher in the body of Christ. And I get it. I get it. And it's a wonderful feeling to walk in holiness. A wonderful feeling knowing that I am not in chains. My chains were broken 30 years ago. And then I began to renew my mind with the word of God. Hallelujah. So saints, we ended episode two talking about Romans 8.14, that those who are led by the spirit of God are the sons of God. So what I want you to do now is turn to 1 Corinthians 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, and I am reading from the New King James Version. And while you are looking for 1 Corinthians chapter 6, I, uh, let me share, um, someone wanted me to clarify more on 1 Corinthians chapter 5 about the man sleeping with his father's wife. And to that individual whom I know is listening, I will share that on Saturday during the last episode because it will take up too much time because I decided to go into an in-depth teaching of that. And if I do that now, we will have five episodes instead of four. So I will share that information with you on Saturday, I promise. So saints, if you are not over there in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 right now, you can pause the tape. You guys know the rule. And when you find it, press play and we will be on the same page. I will be reading beginning at verse 9, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. Do not be deceived. There's that word again, saints. Don't be deceived. And this is the Apostle Paul uh, talking to the, the Corinthians in, at Corinth about their behavior. And I want you to pay close attention to what he says. He says, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? He's talking about those who practice sin. Do not be deceived, saints, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, and adulterers, 
nor homosexuals, nor sodomites. Verse 10 says, nor thieves, nor covetous. Now thieves and covetous are one and the same. A covetous is those who want what someone else has. And a thief is those who will take it from them, who will steal it from them. And that is what some of the people at the church at Corinth were involved in. They were doing these things, but claimed to be walking in light with Christ. Paul said, no, you're not. No, you're not. And then he goes on to say in verse 10, nor drunkards. These are people who get drunk with alcohol. These are people who are high off drugs. Uh-huh. They can't go a day without drugs. They can't go a day without caffeine. Nor revilers. Now, these are people who are always arguing with people, trying to tear people down with their words. Nor extortioners, swindling people out of their money, will inherit the kingdom of God. My Lord. Now, if that is not a clue to you about some of the behaviors that you may be involved in with no convictions at all, or people you may know that go to church every time the, the doors open, every time there is, is a Bible study day in there, but yet as soon as they leave out the door, they practice all of this with no convictions. These are people that are not born again. Verse 11 says, and such were some of you, but you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the spirit of our God. Oh my, Paul was talking to some of the people in the church that were born again. This is why he says in verse 11, and such were some of you, but you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the spirit of God, of our God, Jehovah or Yahweh, who came in the form or in the flesh of Jesus, Yahshua or either Yahshua, English name for, for Jesus or the Hebrew name. But I'm here to tell you, saints, there were people back then, just like there are people today who are not born again, but they are claiming to be Christians. You see some of them as celebrities on television. They are singing music that praise Satan, that degrade women and claiming to be Christians. Don't be deceived. Okay. Did you hear what the apostle Paul said, he said, don't be deceived. Now, saints, I know this hurts, but it doesn't hurt those who are walking in the spirit. Doesn't hurt those who are walking in the spirit at all. So I want you now to go over to Galatians. This is very important. Go over to the, the, the book of Galatians. This is still the apostle Paul talking to the church in Galatia to the saints in Galatia. And for those of you who want to know why I always call y'all saints, because that's what we are. We are either believers or saints. We don't go through no rituals like the Roman Catholic church does where man handpicked saints. We are all saints. If you notice in the Bible, that's what the apostle Paul, the apostle James, the apostle John, the apostle Peter refer to us as. We're talking about born again believers. We are saints. Christians well, came about 
um, in Antioch where they were being mocked because they were following Christ. So they were nicknamed Christians, but it's okay for us to be called that. That's, that's no big deal, but we are saints or either believers and we are of a royal priesthood. We are also priests. You know why? Because Jesus, when he died on that cross, and that's a nugget right here, the Lord, uh, the Holy Spirit told me to share. The veil in the temple was torn from top to bottom. Oh, yes. Giving us free access to God. Back in the biblical days, only the priests could go in that place. It's called the Holy of Holies, where they would make atonement for our sins. There's first. But we can go to the throne of grace right now boldly. Because Jesus, when he died on that cross, he gave us free access to God. We don't have to go through no priest. We are priests now. That's why we are referred to as a royal priesthood. That's a whole nother teaching too. But when a nugget is available, the Holy Spirit will nudge me and say, I need you to share that. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for that nugget. Are you in Galatians chapter five? I will be reading verses 13 through 24. And I am still reading from the New King James book. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty, which means freedom, by which Christ has made us free. And do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. And right here, the Apostle Paul is talking to some Galatians who had fallen back into legalism. They had fallen back into the Mosaic law. Some of them were under the Abrahamic covenant, which was circumcision, uh, trying to make people uh, get circumcised. And some were trying to make new converts uh, follow the laws of Moses. So this is what the Apostle Paul was saying. Stand fast, therefore, in your liberty, your freedom from that by which Christ has made us free and do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. Verse two says, indeed, I, Paul, say to you that if you become circumcised, see, some of them were, were trying to go back to or either lead people to the Abrahamic covenant, which, which required you to be circumcised, Christ will profit you nothing. See, false teachers, when they enter the church, they have people doing anything. And people, because they don't know the word and the word is not being rightly divided to them, they believe anything and they follow every wind of doctrine and they go where it makes them feel good. Well, I don't like what they're saying over here, so I'm going to go over there. Ah, I feel for those people. I feel for those people because they lost. They are lost sheep. They are lost sheep. Verse two again. Indeed, I, Paul, say to you that if you become circumcised, Christ will profit you nothing. What he is saying here is, look, Christ died for our sins. Um, the, 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 the Mosaic laws were given to the children of Israel. They were not given to Gentiles. So they had Gentiles in the church at Galatia and in the church at Corinth. And they had Jews who had converted over to Christ, but they didn't know how to let the laws of Moses go or the Abrahamic covenant go. They were telling people that they had to be circumcised. Paul said, uh-uh, if you were circumcised, Jesus profits you nothing. Uh-uh, what Christ did on that cross profits you nothing. Verse three, and I testify again to every man who becomes circumcised that he is a debtor to keep the whole law. Never in the history of the, of the Bible have 
any man been able to keep the law except Christ. He kept it so that we wouldn't have to. Not any person. This is why the apostle Paul is saying this in verse three. He said, and I testify again to every man who becomes circumcised that he is a debtor to keep the whole law because, you know, he couldn't keep it. And Peter says in the book of Acts, we couldn't keep it and our fathers couldn't keep it. So why are we going to tell the new converts, the Gentiles who are not Jews to follow the law and we couldn't keep it? The laws were never given to the children of Israel for salvation. It was given to them so that they would know what sin is so that they would know when they were sinning against the Lord. And so what Paul is doing is reminding them of that. Verse four, you have become estranged from Christ. See, they were led to Christ. Now they are trying to follow legalism again. So he's saying you, you, you become, you have become estranged from Christ. You who attempt to be justified by the law, you have fallen from grace. And let me tell you something. It's a bad thing to be fall to, to fall from grace. If you are not under God's grace, you are not saved. Oh, I know I said something there. If you are not under grace, you are not saved. Verse five says, for we through the spirit eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. Talking about the coming of the Lord Jesus the second time. Verse six says, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but faith working through love. And for you to understand what I just said, let me move on over into verse seven. You ran well. The apostle Paul saying y'all were doing good in Christ, walking in Christ. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? Who's causing you to fall? Meaning you are saved by grace through faith. And that's not of yourselves. Verse eight says, this persuasion does not come from him who calls you, which is God and Christ. God who calls you to his son, Christ. It ain't coming from them. It's coming from man. It's coming from false teaching. A little leaving leavens the whole lump. Now, the reason why Paul uses leaving, because in Exodus and Deuteronomy, leaving is referred to as yeast and, and sin. So what he's saying is the yeast in the leaven, in the bread, is it grows, it spreads. So if you have a little sin in the church, or if you are able to turn one, one Christian back to legalism, it'll spread through the whole congregation. This is what he's saying. So verse 10 says, I have confidence in you, in the Lord, that you will have no other mind, but he who troubles you shall bear his judgment, whoever he is. That's the false teachers causing these saints in, in these new saints who had just con converted over to Christ to fall and stumble, trying to lead them away from Jesus and back into legalism. And like we have some today leading you away from Christ. No, uh-uh. Christ is the savior, have been the savior from the beginning and it's not changing. Verse 11 says, and I brethren, if I still preach circumcision, why do I still suffer persecution? Then the offense of the cross has ceased. Pri Look, let me tell you something. The apostle Paul, he never ceased to preach Jesus and him crucified for the forgiveness of your sins. Paul is saying, look, if I'm being persecuted, then the offense of the cross has ceased. So what is Paul saying? They had Judaizers not only perverted the gospel, 
They also accused Paul of, of being inconsistent in his doctrine by his preaching circumcision to Jews and, and, and repudiating it among the Gentiles. And Paul is saying, they lying on me. Paul is saying, and I, brethren, if I still preach circumcision, why do I still suffer persecution? Then the offense of the cross has ceased. Verse 12, I could wish that those who trouble you would even cut themselves off. Oh, my Lord. Read Joshua 7.25 so that we can move forward. Verse 13 says, for you, brethren, have been called to liberty, meaning freedom from the law and from circumcision. Only do not use your liberty as an opportunity for the flesh. Don't use your freedom from the law, which tells us what sin is, to sin. But through love serve one another. Verse 14 says, for all the law is fulfilled in one word. Even in this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. When Jesus said it is finished on that cross, when he, he breathed his last breath, he said it is, it is finished. He was talking about the law. It is finished. He fulfilled the law. He didn't abolish it because the law tells us what sin is. It is finished. It was fulfilled with one word, and that word is love. Verse 15 says, but if you bite and devour one another, Beware lest you be consumed by one another. Verse 16, I say then walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Oh, I know I hit something. If you walk in the spirit, the fruit of the spirit, you won't fulfill the sins that your flesh is lusting after. Verse 17, for the flesh lusts against the spirit. And I mentioned this in episode two. And the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another. Now, when we say the flesh lusts against the spirit, it's not against the Holy Spirit. There's no match there. It's against your born again spirit. Because when you accepted Christ as Lord and Savior, your spirit man was born again. And this is what the Apostle Paul is talking about. So your spirit man, because this body is not renewed and not born again, we haven't received our new bodies yet. We are battling with our flesh. Because your flesh want to do what it want to do, but your spirit man won't allow it to. And let me tell you something. You have control over your flesh. Your spirit man has control over your flesh. Uh, the latter part of 17, spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. It's a constant battle. Your flesh, you look, your flesh will only win if you allow it to. Because your spirit man has control of your flesh. Don't let nobody deceive you. Okay, don't feel good about your sin, you, you sinning and have somebody give you a feel-good gospel. The gospel is extraordinary. But if you are attending a fellowship where the person in the pulpit, for number one, is living in open sin and then making you feel good about sinning because of grace, you need to go back and listen to episodes one and two again about grace when the Apostle Paul taught about grace. Verse 18 says, but if you are led by the spirit saints, you are not under the law because the law condemns. The law gives you a consciousness of what sin is. The law tells you what you are doing wrong, but it can't save you. The law never stopped the children of Israel from sinning. That's why the priests had to go into the Holy of Holies every year to sacrifice 
a animal, animal's blood for the atonement of his sin and then the sins of the people because the law couldn't stop them from sinning. But the spirit can if you're born again. Okay, let me read 18 again. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. That's why Paul is saying this. Verse 19. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Didn't we read it in 1 Corinthians? So Paul is consistent with every letter of corrections that he wrote to these churches. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are idolatry, which is idol worship. You around here worshiping these, 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 these celebrities. You're worshiping things like your car, lusting for people's homes. I want one just like that. And that's what you're seeking instead of seeking spiritual things. Look, he says fornication. Yeah, this is the love of the, of the flesh. You're trying to fulfill your flesh with your sexual desires. Uncleanness. You know, you eating uh, food offered to idols. Lewdness is associated with sex. Uh-huh. Swingers. That is associated with that. Group having group sex. And verse 20. Idolatry. Sorcery. Hatred. Sorcery. You're around here letting people read your palms, but you claiming to be a, a follower of Christ. Uh-huh. You have beads hanging in your house. Beads that's made by the hands of man now, not God. Made by the hands of men. And you have them hanging in your house. You holding on to beads for healing, for salvation. It, look, you need, you remember I told you there's no watered down teaching here at Learning Bible Truth Ministries. Hatred, walking in hatred toward your sisters and brothers. You see them suffering and hurting and know you have the means to help them, but you don't do it. Contentions, always getting involved in arguments, trying to tear people down with your words. Jealousies, you jealous of somebody because they got a man that you want. Outburst of wrath. You will cuss anybody out. Oh, look, I tell it like it is. Well, if you ain't telling the word like it's supposed to be, you need to shut your mouth. Oh, I tell it like it is. Oh, if you talk to so-and-so, she'll cuss you out. But yet so-and-so sitting on the, in the pews on the front row. On the front row. Selfish. You want something first instead of sharing with others first. You just, it's just all about you. It ain't about nobody else. It's all about you. Ambitions. You, you, you have this, this, a uh, deep sense of wanting to, to chase something. I want this position and you fighting for it instead of letting God groom you into that position and letting him lead you into it. No, you want it. Dissensions causing divisions within the congregation, in the fellowship. Y'all looking to see Who's wearing what so y'all can talk about it? You and this group over here, y'all just go to church to talk about what somebody wearing or to talk about how somebody look. Heresies, you following every wind of doctrine. After you heard the truth, salvation is in no other. There is no other name given among men by which we must be saved and that is the name of Jesus. And if you claim in Christ, you ought to be born again and you should be living holy, period. Verse 21 Envy, murderers, drunkenness, revelries, and the like of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past. Paul said, I'm tired of telling y'all this, that those who practice, there's that word again, 
those who are involved in lawlessness, those who are involved in iniquity. These is when someone practice sin. Such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Sorry, saints, you ain't born again. You're not saved. So ask yourself if, if the pastor at your church and the teachers, the ministers in your congregation, are they teaching this? Or are they just letting you live loose as a goose? The more money you bring, honey, the more freedom they tell you, oh, you, you are fine with God. You are saved by grace, not by how many sins you don't commit. Let me tell you something. That's true. But you're supposed to be washed. You're supposed to be dead to sin. When Christ died, you, your sins died with him. When he rose again, you rose up to be a new man. Remember the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ is symbolic. And how you identify with him uh, is through the death, his death, burial, and resurrection. Yeah, so your sin's supposed to be dead. Those who are listening to this episode for the first time, listen to episode two. And you will understand why I just said that. Verse 21 again, envy, murderers, drunkenness, people who get high on drugs, can't live without them. Ravelries and the like of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Those who practice this, you ain't born again. You can never be saved and lost. Let me make that clear. Once saved, always saved. Now they got some people in the Baptist church to tell you that ain't true. Yes, it is. There's nobody in this Bible who was ever saved and then lost. The question is, are you saved? So who Paul is talking to in the church are those who are not saved. Those who were never saved. It ain't that they were, it's that they were never saved. Verse 22 says, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, Verse 23, gentleness, self-control against such, there is no law. So Paul is saying, okay, y'all want to revert back to the laws of Moses and to circumcision, which is legalism. Let me tell you this. There is no judgment, no condemnation against love. There's no judgment against joy, peace, long suffering, which is patience, kindness, goodness, fruitfulness. Okay. Not fruitfulness, but faithfulness. And gentleness, self-control, there is no judgment or condemnation against this. This is what we need to be walking in, the fruit of the Spirit. If you are born again, those who are led by the Spirit, those who are led by love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, those who are led by the fruit of the Spirit, that's this. We are the sons of God. Hallelujah. Verse 24 says, and those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. How often is this read to you guys in the church, in the congregation? And this is being said with love. Paul wrote it in love because if he didn't care about them, he would never have written these letters of correction to all these churches. And we are supposed to be abiding by the doctrines of the apostles. Right now, verse 25 says, if we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. What's the spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. There's no condemnation in that. 
And finally, verse 26 says, let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, saints, trot on over to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Because let me, let me tell you this. Uh, it, it's common for us to be, be tempted now. And God provides a way out. So trot on over to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And I'm trying to switch my Bibles. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. I think I am uh, switching to the NASB. NASB, the New American Standard Bible. And I will be reading verses 1 through 14. Verses 1 through 14. And I am reading. You guys know the process. Pause the tape if you haven't found it yet. And when you find it, press play and we'll be on the same page. Beginning at verse 1. For I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea. He's talking about their forefathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And verse two says, and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. Verse three, and all ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink for they were drinking from a spiritual rock which followed them. And that rock was Christ. He was back then with the children of Israel. He was that light by day and fire at night, leading the children of Israel to the promised land. But they never made it. Never made it. Check out verse five. Nevertheless, with most of them, God was not well pleased because of their behavior. For they were laid low in the wilderness. My God, my God. Now, this is an, an, an understatement because Israel's extreme disobedience, God allowed only two of the men over 19 who had originally left Egypt, which was, was Joshua and Caleb. He only allowed them two to enter the promised land and, and all the others died in the wilderness, including Moses and Aaron. So Moses may have let, started out leading them to the promised land, but he never got there with them. Moses got tired and started behaving. He had disobeyed God, for those of you who don't know. As great as Moses was, even though he in heaven with Jesus, he had disobeyed. Moses and his brother Aaron, Aaron who was uh, the, the, the initiator or the author of the Aaronic priesthood, he was Moses' brother. They were disqualified from entering the promised land. You can read about that in Numbers chapter 20, verses 8 through 12, and, and, and the verse 24. You can read about that. They all ate of the same spiritual food. That's verse 3 again, verse 4. And all drank the same spiritual drink, for they were drinking from a spiritual rock which followed them, and that rock was Christ. Nevertheless, with most of them, God was not well pleased for they were laid low in the wilderness. Verse six. Now these things happen as an example for us so that we would not crave evil things as they also craved. While Moses and Aaron was leading them through the wilderness, they died in the wilderness, including Moses and Aaron, like I said a few minutes ago, because of their failure of self-discipline and consequent indulgence of every desire. Four major sins characterized them, the children of Israel, while they were in the wilderness. 
idolatry, uh-huh, sexual immorality. They tested God. That's a sin too. And they were always complaining. Yes, they were always complaining. Now these things, verse six again, happened as an example for us so that we wouldn't do it. So that we would not crave evil things as they also craved. Verse seven says, do not be idolaters. Don't worship idol God, saints. Don't do it as, as some of them were. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and stood up to play. My God. Now, let me, let me explain this, this, this to you. Verse 7. The Israelites were barely out of Egypt when they fell into idol worship. Were barely out of Egypt. And that's in Exodus 32. It, it, that whole story is recorded in Exodus 32. And verse 6 is quoted here. Now, some 3,000 were executed for instigating an immoral orgy at Sinai. That's in Exodus 32, 28. You can also read Exodus chapter 20, verse 3, Ezekiel 14, uh, verse 3, and 1 John 5, 21. We read about that. Yes, we, we read about that. Y'all need to know all this stuff. Now, um... Verse seven, again, do not be idolaters as some of them were, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and stood up to play. Yes, they were involved in orgies. Now, verse eight says, nor let us act immorally as some of them did. And 23,000 fell in one day. 23,000, when they say fell, they died in one day. So you can read about that in Numbers 25. Numbers 25 verse nine says, nor let us try the Lord as some of them did and were destroyed by the serpents. Remember? Do y'all remember that story? I talked about it. if y'all follow me on a regular basis, y'all, y'all know about this. Uh-huh. Verse 10, nor grumble as some of them did and were destroyed by the destroyer. My God. My God. Verse 11. Now these things happened to them as an example, and they were written for our instruction upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Everything that happened to the children of Israel was written for our learning. Yes, it was written for our learning so that we won't do the same things that they did. Well, how many of you ever heard a sermon talking about uh, the wilderness is necessary? No, the children of Israel died in the wilderness. Did they tell you that the end result was that the children of Israel died in the wilderness? Only Joshua and Caleb was able to go to the promised land. Moses and Aaron died with them. Sure did in the wilderness. So I don't want no wilderness experience, saints. Now, verse, verse uh, 11, when it talks about the ends of the ages, the time of the Messiah. It's talking about, that's what it, it is referring to when it says the end of the ages. The last days of redemptive history before the Messianic kingdom. That's also written in, in Hebrews 9, 26, 1 John 2, 18. So don't grumble, Lord, uh, saints, as I am reading these scriptures to you. Receive them in your heart. Don't grumble about them. Verse 10 says, nor grumble as some of them did and were destroyed by the destroyer. Verse 11, now these things happened to them as an example, and they were written for our instruction upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Verse 12, therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed that he not fall.
Oh, saints, I got to explain that one. Right here, the Apostle Paul is saying, because of grace, you got to remember, in Galatia, in Ephesians, in Corinth, the people had a warped understanding, or shall I say strange understanding of what grace was. They literally thought that because of God's grace, that they can do anything they wanted to. And I'm talking about some of the, the, the things that even the Gentiles never did, like sleeping with, with your father's wife or a son or a daughter sleeping with uh, your mother's husband, your stepfather. That's, that's involving incest. They were doing some horrible things. So when the Apostle Paul says, therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed that he does not fall. What he's saying is, you think you are all right under grace. No, if you continue to practice these things, we have to incorporate every scripture that I have read thus far from episode one and two about grace. All of this about trampling on God's grace. He's telling you, no, you are being deceived. You are being misled. You are not being taught right. These scriptures are not being rightly divided to you. You can't practice sin and walk with Christ. You can't do it. You have fallen from grace because when you practice sin, you have placed yourself under the law and the law involves condemnation and it involves punishment. But the fruit of the spirit doesn't. There's no law or no condemnation against the fruit of the spirit. Now, God always provides a way out. He's willing to help us today like he was helping them back then. Verse 13. Listen to this, saints. This is how we can prevent ourselves from falling back into sin. Verse 13, no temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. And God is faithful, not man. God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted. He ain't tempting you. James 1.13, you need to read that. God doesn't tempt you. Uh-uh. What, is, what this is saying is, God is faithful who, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will provide the way of escape also so that you will be able to endure it. My Lord, we serve a good God. We serve a good God. You ain't the only Christian being tempted. You are not the only Christian being tempted. That's why the Apostle Paul says, no temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. Everybody, especially Christians, are always being tempted. And God is faithful. Yes, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will provide the way of escape also so that you will not be, so that you will be able to endure the temptation. You don't have to do it. If you fall prey to temptation, it's because you want it. It's because you decide to gratify your flesh. Uh-uh. Gratify your flesh. Let me tell you something. If you are truly born again, and let me tell you, you have to grow in his word. You have to grow in faith so that you can walk in faith, which is why it's very important after salvation, you need to find the right congregation, the right fellowship that's going to teach you and rightly divide these scriptures to you and help you walk and grow in holiness. Holiness doesn't happen overnight. But I will tell you this, you will feel a difference in your body. You will feel, you will begin to see human people as human beings. You will see the humanity in everybody. People you used to hate, you don't hate anymore. You will start to feel love for them, no matter what they have done you. You will be eager to forgive. That's the Holy Spirit in you. 
But then you have to learn there are certain things that you need to stray away from. But here's the thing. If you never really truly received Christ, Romans 10, 9, that if you confess with your mouth, the Lord Jesus, if you never really confess Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised you from the dead, raised him from the dead, not you, but he will raise us too. From the dead, you will be saved. If you really truly made that true confession, the Holy Spirit places a seal on your heart. And in episode four, I will read those scriptures to you and you will immediately feel a change in your heart. So don't be deceived. Then you have to learn what the will of God is for you. What the will of God is for you. His will is in his word. Therefore, my beloved, verse 14, the final scripture in uh, 1 Corinthians 10. Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. Idol worship. Mm-hmm. Flee from idol worship. Now, I want you to trot on over to 1 Corinthians 15. Yes. I don't want you to be deceived, saints. Don't hang out with, with sinning Christians. 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 15 is where I want you to go. I'm heading over there too. That's why it's taking me a moment so we can find it together. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And I will be reading verses 33 and 34 once I get there. Because I am not there yet, saints. Okay. Verse 33. 1 Corinthians 15 says, Do not be deceived. There's that word again. Don't be deceived by these false teachers. That's the reason Paul is saying don't be deceived. Because false teachers have entered the church at Corinth. Just like they entered the church at Galatia. Just like they entered the church at Ephesus. And Colossae. And Thessalonia. Yeah. And just like they in some of these churches today. Don't be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. Don't think you can hang out with someone professing to be a Christian and they are living in iniquity or they are practicing lawlessness. It's going to rub off on you, saints. Don't, don't, don't you ever think you are so strong of a Christian that you can hang out with somebody who is practicing lawlessness and you won't be affected by it. Verse 33 says, do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. Paul is telling you, don't hang out with these, these so-called sinning Christian. They phony Christians. Remember when Paul was sharing his, his, um, story, he said he had been shipwrecked among false brethren and Lord knows I have been around some false Christians in my days. Lord, verse 34 says, become sober minded as you ought and stop sinning. If it was okay for us to sin, why are we constantly being told not to do it? Because the wages of sin is still death. Romans 6, 23, the, the wages of sin is still death. That's why we are being told not to do it. If you practice sin, you ain't born again. But if you happen to fall short or miss the mark, because sinning just means miss the mark. We have an advocate with the father. Uh-huh. Jesus Christ, the righteous. And if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know that that's what the law does. It lets you know when you do something wrong. When you do something wrong, when you sin against your brother or sister or sin against anybody, even a non-Christian, you need to go and repent of it. Confess your sin and God is faithful and just to forgive you your sins. But ain't no forgiveness for those who practice sin because they're not going to confess their sins because they think that whatever they're doing is, is fine with them and it's fine with the God they serve. 
They are, they are seeking their own righteousness, not the righteousness of God. They are seeking their own righteousness. You leave them be. Drop a seed whenever you can and leave them be. But I guarantee you after Satan get through whipping their behind, they're going to come running to Christ. Because that's where our safe haven is. The forgiveness of our sins. Become sober minded, verse 34 again, as you ought and stop sinning. For some have no knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. What he is saying is they have some people who don't know anything about God. And if you are living the exact same way that they are living, which is a, a life that's leading them to the pits of hell, how can you represent God if you are doing the same things that they are doing? How can you tell them about God's deliverance? How can you tell them about the forgiveness of sins if you are constantly living and practicing sin? That's what these scriptures are talking about. My goodness. And look, 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 8, 14 through 17, and you don't have to go there. It talks about don't be unequally yoked with a non-believer. It's often used talking about marriage, but it's more than that. It's way more than that. Because what we just read here, 2 Corinthians 15, 33 says, do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. This ain't talking about marriage. So you should not be unequally yoked with a non-believer. That's marriage or friendship. I can socialize with anybody, but I guarantee you, you won't have me. You will never see me hanging out with them. And, and I can share this. And I'm surprised I, I, I remember this, but I guess the Holy Spirit want me to share it. I can recall a friend years ago, maybe 18 years ago, she was an evangelist who did not know how to let go of her flesh. She was addicted to sex. Now, this was a gifted evangelist. So I thought she was having a baby for a different man every year, a different man every year. And I kid you not. And I, my heart went out to her because I had just started the, uh, my ministry and learning the word and walking in holiness. And I will not I would I would refuse to hang out with her because I did not want to be corrupted by her behavior. And I remember one time she came to me and was talking to me about something and I put my foot down. I said, hold up, I'm gonna have to share some scriptures with you because apparently she had no conviction whatsoever about her lifestyle, but yet she was an evangelist for the Lord Jesus and screwing every man that came and asked for sex. And I told her that the devil had a hold of her and that, um, she was misunderstanding these scriptures about grace. She had a strange sense of God's grace. And when I showed her them scriptures, she stopped calling me. See, that's when you choose sin over the word of God. And I ran into her about a year before COVID hit, before I had my stroke back in uh, 2021. I ran into her at a store. She was dirty. She, she had a, a, a broken down, filthy car and, and look, that's not judgment. What I'm saying is she, she didn't grow in God's word. And she asked me, was I still preaching? I said, even more than ever. I said, are you still walking with the Lord? And she said, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm looking in her eyes and I knew she wasn't telling the truth. And I wanted to minister to her so bad, but I said, maybe Lord, I'm not the one that needs to minister to her. Because I see after all those years, all those years, she still hadn't grown in the word. And she hesitated when I said, are you still preaching? 
Uh, yeah. And she was filthy dirty. Now, I don't know if she had just come from work or not, but I do know that she shouldn't have been looking the way she was looking. And, and I prayed for her. Yes, I did. I didn't need to minister to her, but I sure could pray for you. I pray for anybody. And, and what we need to uh, understand about second Corinthians six fourteen through 17, don't be unequally yoked with a non-believer. You need to be sure that you don't hang out with somebody who professed to be a Christian and they living in sin because next they know they'll have you supporting their sin and then you will fall. You better take heed. Look, take heed saints, lest you fall too. Because those of you who have a strange understanding of God's grace are subject to fall into sin. Yes, you are. Now, I already told you guys about James 1.13, where it, it, James, the apostle Paul lets people know it ain't God tempting you. That's the devil tempting you. Okay. Now James four, chapter four, let's go there. James chapter four. I'm going to read verses one through seven. I am in James chapter four and I am reading from the NASB, the new American standard Bible. What is the source of quarrels? And conflicts among you. Is not the source your pleasures that wage war in your members? Verse 2. You lust and do not have. So you commit murder. Oh, they were cutting up. James was writing to the church in Jerusalem. You are envious and cannot obtain. So you fight and you quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask with wrong motives so that you may spend it on your pleasures. Verse four, you adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is hostility toward God? Your version, what uh, the new King James or the King James version may say is enemy to God or enmity with God. Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy to God. My Lord, my Lord. Now, this is not why I'm reading these scriptures, but while we are passing through getting to the scriptures I want to read, you need to understand this. If you are friends with the world, you are an enemy to God. And didn't we hear that in, in John? First John, second, second John, third John. Verse five, or do you think that the scripture speaks to no purpose? He jealously desires the spirit which he has made to dwell in us. Talking about God, the Holy Spirit. But he gives a greater grace. Therefore, it says God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. You so puffed up and proud. I know some right now profess to be Christians. And they some of the most proud people you ever, ever want to see. And they walking with the devil, but claiming Jesus. I was going to make that a sermon, but I said, I don't need to because this covers everything. How you claiming Jesus, but living for Satan. Now I want to ask you this. This is a rational question. How do you think that you can walk with the devil your entire life, live for him, but spend eternity with God with all these scriptures right here telling you that's not going to happen. I, I, look, I, you need to ask yourself that now verse seven is what I want you guys to pay close attention to. Verse seven is how you can get away from the wiles of the devil. 
Submit therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Let me tell you something. Every now and again, the devil will mess with me when I drop my guards. But let me tell you, I know how to resist him. You resist him with the word of God. I always tell the devil, oh, devil, you a liar. You a liar and the truth is not in you. You've been a liar from the beginning. Look, that's how you run the devil. That you, you run him by saying the name Jesus. Look, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. And demons flee at the name of Jesus, including, including Satan. When he know he can't really, you know, entice you to do what he wants you to do, he's going to go to someone else. When you feel Satan is the one that's tempting you and Satan is the one that's driving you and weighing on your heart and mind to do evil towards someone, like retaliate against someone, let me tell you something. If you knew what all I have gone through at work and away from work, it doesn't bother me. I've had one of my closest friends of 40 years tell me, I don't know how you dealt with that through faith. That's how I dealt with it. Cause I'm not a baby Christian. I've been walking with the Lord for 30 years and been studying in depth for 20. I've been walking with him. So I know what the word of God is capable of doing. It is powerful. It is sharper than any two edged sword. And look saints, I'm in verse three here and we will conclude confronting your sins and the proper way to repent on Saturday. And I, look, when you feel Satan trying to make you do something, or at least putting the idea in your brain, because it starts in your mind. Your mind is where everything starts. And then it goes to your heart. Once it reaches your heart, that's it. You are going to create a plan to carry out that sin. And that's when you, you have to start rebuking Satan when those thoughts enter your mind. Satan, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Saints, so let's end this one with a prayer because I know this has been rough. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that your word never returns to you void. It will go out and accomplish what, that which you have set it out to do. And today your word has done just that. Reach the hearts and minds of those who are hearing this message for the first time and let them know this is a message of love, a message of forgiveness, a message that will lead them to Christ, the savior of the world, so that they can confess their sins. And you are faithful and just to forgive them their sins and to cleanse them from all unrighteousness. Those who are seeking healing, I send your word, Lord, and ask that you heal them from cancer, Lord from any illness that I am not aware of, Lord. Mental illness, my Lord, running rampant today, but no illness is too strong for you. Every illness on this planet, Lord, you have the authority to heal. Send forth your healing power right now, Lord. And those who are in need of deliverance from fornication, from drug addiction, Lord, from fornication, Lord, from sexual immorality, Lord, from idolatry, Lord, have mercy. Put down those idol gods, Lord. I say, I ask that you enter every home of those who are listening right now, Lord, and set them free. Every marriage that is on the rocks right now, Lord, you put the peace and love of Jesus in that house. Put forgiveness in that house. Lord, strengthen that marriage like when they first went down the aisle and said, I do. Bring back the honeymoon stage, Lord. Only you can do it. And Lord, we thank you for this day. 
This is the day that you have made. And no matter what we are going through right now, we will rejoice in it because the joy of the Lord is our strength, Lord. We will stand on that. And having done all to stand, Lord, you said in your word, you will never leave nor forsake us. Having done all to stand, help us continue to stand. In Jesus' name we pray. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. And saints, with that said, because look, I'll start shouting up in here. Peace out. I hope you were blessed by this message. If you have any questions or comments about this particular episode or any previous episodes, please send your comments or questions to talkingbibletruth.cd at gmail.com. And if you would like to support this podcast financially, because it has been a blessing to you, go to one of my five podcasts, Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, or Radio Public, and contribute an amount of your choice. Or you can send your seed to me via Cash App. Dollar sign, Dr. Kamala D. That's dollar sign, capital D, lowercase r, capital C, lowercase a-m-a-l-e, capital D. Anything you choose to send will be greatly appreciated. Now until next time, saints, remember that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We walk by faith, not by sight. I am your host, Dr. Kamala D. Rightly dividing the word of truth in peace and love. Thank you for tuning in and I hope to see you next time.